Hey everyone, welcome to our Coffee with Alan time today. Uh, today we are going to be talking about the word and an understanding of wisdom. Uh, now, so I've been, I've read this, this book um, called Pastor Paul uh, by Scott McKnight uh, for my LLC last month. Um, and like I introduced uh, this other book, uh, last week, the the road back to you. If you've not picked up your copy, grab one. It is it'll be phenomenal for your life. Um, so this one I actually wanted to introduce uh, to you because it was really it's been really helpful, um, and it's a it's a it's a kind of a hefty read. So if you want to want to read it, it's it's cool, um, but it's a great book. Uh, Pastor Paul talking about uh, nurturing a culture of Christiformity in the church. So being transformed into the image of Christ. Now, um, one of the interesting things about uh, this book, so the very, the very, there's so many great sections to this. I might actually be picking this up uh, later on and and doing some other other sections out of this book because it is just phenomenal. Um, but I want I wanted to to talk about. I, I had a conversation. Actually, I've had several conversations uh, recently about this concept of of wisdom, but specifically about this word uh, and, and that I want to talk about today, and it's called juvenileization. Juvenilization or the youthification, youthification, youthization. I can't even say it. Basically, euthanizing in the in like youth, like you, know, not like you know, killing old people, um, but just the uh, creating a culture of of around youth uh, and youngness in the church culture in the U.S. today. Um, and it's interesting. So he he defines it as as this. You know, the beginning in the the 1930s and 1940s, three factors combined to create the juvenilization of American Christianity. What are these factors? Well, first, new and more powerful youth cultures created distance between adults and adolescents. Then, second, Christian adults adapted the faith to a, to adolescent tastes. As a result, uh, these first two factors, the stereotypical youth group that combines fun and games with a brief, entertaining religious message was born. The result, he concludes with number three. The journey to adulthood became longer and more confusing. Uh, with maturity now just one of many options. Uh, and so it's... It's I want the reason I wanted to talk about this concept of youth youth youthification or um, you know juvenilization of the church, which seems odd. Now, let me give you a little bit of background uh, to why I say that's odd. At least for you know specifically for me, I've been in youth ministry since I was eighteen, if not before. I was been been in youth group uh, and uh, you know eighteen years or, or more. Uh, I uh, from the time I was eighteen to the time I was about well before I moved to Idaho. So that would be 2016. Um, and so, uh, for, for, for about 15, 16 years, I was in youth ministry, uh, specifically in volunteering and working full time, a youth pastor, um, hardcore into the youth culture, loved it, loved my time in youth ministry, uh, in youth camps, you know, all sorts of facets of youth ministry from, being a youth pastor, to being an intern, to working at a summer camp, doing video, um, doing lights and production, um, and doing all these things around the youth culture, um, Bible study leader, small group leader, uh, intern, everything. I mean, we're talking. You know, I, I was full on. I did. I got my my undergrad with the you know Christian education with youth ministry emphasis, uh, and so I, I'm very 
um, very invested and have, have been very invested in the youth culture, the youth group culture in our country, uh, in our world. Um, and specifically, my I've grown up in a youth pastor's home. My dad has been a youth pastor for 50 years, been in youth ministry for 50 years or more. Um, and so, but, and growing up in his youth group and going, you're growing up, going to the youth trips, uh, to the beach and <laughs> going, uh, to the youth group and youth camps and, and re youth retreats and visiting them. And, and, and just all this, I've been born and raised around a youth group culture. Uh, and so I'm very, uh, intimated with, uh, with this, what he's talking about here. Um, but it's interesting because I got to grow up in a, in a, in a culture of a youth ministry that was different than I think the typical youth ministry culture. The typical youth ministry culture is like you said, you know, the stereotypical youth group, right? Combines fun and games with a brief entertaining religious message and, and, and doing fun things, youth camps, you know, with the, with the Jesus theme. Whereas I, I really, I truly believe that the youth ministry culture that I was raised in was one of is what we're going to be talking about here. A wisdom culture, a growing up, a, a discipleship program, a discipleship and growing in our faith. And so I want to set that 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 key phrase at the beginning, understanding where I'm coming from, but also understanding um, you know, in, in, in the youth ministry culture, but also understanding the, the kind of youth ministry culture that I was raised in as well. And so I want you to hear that from me as well um, and how basically, so the result of juvenilization. The process by which the religious beliefs, practices, and developmental characteristics of adolescence become accepted or even celebrated as appropriate for Christians of all ages. Juvenile, juvenilization emerges, I'm sorry, uh, produces what Christian Smith and Melinda Lundquist Denton call moralistic therapeutic deism. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this today is just simply because I, I want us to see not just in our church culture, but I think this is this is in our church culture is just a an evidence of the widespread uh, popularity of youthification, you know, youthification or uh, you know, juvenilization of our of our culture overall. Not just in the church. This is an overflow that has come into the church that is that has influenced the church. Um, just this obsession with youthfulness. And how now that has shifted our culture completely, like I said, from the 1930s and 40s. But I think even so today, we are seeing the totality, the culmination of, of, of this in our culture. And what does that look like? It looks like uh, the older generations being questioned, being doubted, being rejected uh, as, as if they're out of touch with reality. As if they are not the ones that we can learn anything from, but that the youth culture, that the that the teenagers and the young adults, are the ones that have all the wisdom, like you know, in the wisdom of how to live in our world today. Um, and there's some truth into that, but this this element that you know, seeing a culture that used to be all about the elders, you know, the, the <laughs> hear the phrase you know, low man on the totem pole. Well, that, that that's actually a compliment. Low man on the totem pole. The lower you were on the totem pole, the wiser and more elevated you actually were in the culture. Uh, you, you bore the weight of responsibility of everyone else on your shoulders uh, because you were the one that was responsible. You were the one with all the wisdom. You were the one with all the knowledge. You were the one with the answers. You were the one with the leadership. Um, and so that's what it's interesting. So to, to even think about that, you know, the low man on the totem pole 
is actually a compliment. So if everyone, anyone ever tells you that, you'd be like, oh, thanks. <laughs> but it's this, uh, the elders, the older generation were the ones that everyone in the culture attained and aspired to be. They're like, if I could just be half as wise as that elder, I'll be a success in life. Um, and so, but we've, we've seen how that culture has shifted. And now it seems like, you know, the older generation, we shut away, we turn them off where, Oh, there's, there's just those, those crazy old people. Um, they just, they're, they're so out of touch with reality. They're so out of touch with, with culture. Um, and so it's, you know, to, to think about our culture and what that kind of culture would have looked like a wisdom driven culture. Um, and so I just I want to read some of these things because I think they're very telling. Uh, I wonder, too, whether this approach of making everything palatable for youth isn't part of making us consumerists, making everyone a consumer. When consuming goods rather than working becomes the focus of our culture, we have created or acquiesced in a society of permanent adolescence. People today care less about growing up or gaining wisdom and far more about staying young. This is where that this is what that culture looks like. Maintaining relevancy and dressing according to the latest youth fad. No one wants to get old and weak and die, but wanting to remain a teenager is a sign of juvenilization and not wisdom. A wisdom culture is necessarily diminished when a youth culture becomes the dominant culture. Um, and so what is wisdom? So I'm trying to get to a point here that we need to pursue wisdom in the church. Like my calling as a, as a pastor, as it talks about here, pastors are called to nurture Christiformity, becoming like Christ, being transformed into his image in their congregations. And Christiformity is what? Wisdom. Wisdom is, is what is my job. Is, is my job. Based on my job is to cultivate a Christ wisdom within you. Listening. That's why I do these podcasts. That's why I do the preaching on Sunday morning. That's why I feel like I'm called to ministry. That's my calling in life. You know, as Paul said, "Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not teach you the ways of God." Um, and Christiformity is wisdom, and the pastor is called then to culture, uh, nurture a culture of wisdom. So, what is wisdom? We're getting at wisdom. What is wisdom? Um, wisdom is not the same as knowledge, education. Um, Wisdom is uh, is living in God's world in God's way, uh, as we'll later get to here. Uh, that full, that the, the fear of not the, sorry the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you know anything about Proverbs, it is the book of wisdom of Solomon, the Proverbs of Solomon. Uh, for learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity, to teach shrewdness to the simple, knowledge and prudence to the young, to uh, let the wise also hear and gain in learning, and the discerning acquire skill, to understand a proverb and, and figure uh, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So wisdom, wisdom is what we're after. So wisdom is not the same as education because um, knowledge, you know, education, like we talked about last week, is knowing things. Wisdom is knowing what to do with it. <laughs> education offers what to know. Wisdom offers an acceptable life before God, because wisdom, again, is living God's were in living in God's world 
in God's way. So how then, therefore, shall we live? That's the question. And so, but the root to, to the answer of that question is what we're talking about today. Is it in youthfulness? Is it in staying young, staying a teenager? This, you know, young and vibrant and energetic? Or is it found in years of experience, gaining all this knowledge and understanding what to do with it? I have a Tide Pod that goes in the washing machine, not in my mouth. As the latest trend, you know, back in the day was, you know, a few years, you know, like a few a few months ago, was that a year ago, where where uh, all these younger people were doing the Tide challenge, the Tide Pod challenge, where they would put a you know Tide Pod in their mouth and chew it and bite it. And, uh, wisdom is knowing not to put a Tide Pod in your mouth. <laughs> where are we resting our wisdom, our source of wisdom? Because wisdom is a perspective, but it's also a preservative. But what is it? I love how it says this. What does it mean? But what? But that does not mean wisdom is restraint, resistant to change, even though resistance to change is conservatism. Conservatism. That's hard to say. Change is conservatism's problem. In fact, conservatism is a theory of change. To be sure, a theory of organic change but not a theory of non-change. So I think this is where you can starts to talk about as, as wisdom is conservative, um, but in, in, a, in a different sense that maybe you might be thinking. Um, a lot of times we think of conservatism as staying in the old ways. And I think this is where a lot of this youthification, this, this uh, juvenilization of our culture has come from is this, refusal to change like you know the older people don't want to change oh they're trying to i don't want to change um but it's 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 this refusal to change or at least perceived as a refusal to change but i love how he says this how he describes what a conservative's true um heart is the true conservative the con- the conservative seeks to preserve the best wisdom of the past and to let that wisdom what is the best of the past let that wisdom guide the present in for in foresight of the future. Um, so, so basically talking about taking what is best from the past, what worked, and understanding what didn't work, and instead of beating our house, our, ourselves our head against the the wall trying to make something work that he knows isn't going to work, you know, trying to fit that peg that square peg in a round hole. Um, he's basically saying taking the, the knowledge and the wisdom from our experience from back here and implementing it into the future. What works in the future because of what's worked in the past? What's worked in the past? Not so much like you know, the same things over and over again. Like, yeah, like a, an old school calculator, solar powered calculator works great. But also the, the calculator on my smartphone works great, too. And so it's it's but, you know, understanding I need a calculator. But it's not like walking around with a little with a little calculator or an, or an abacus, you know. It's it, you're taking what's best about the past and bringing that into the future in new ways, and so he 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 goes on to talk about in this in this book, this almost in our culture it feels like a battle like a war between the young. Um, the, you know, and, and the gray hairs. He talks about, he talks about the gray hairs, uh, which, you know, maybe I could qualify since I've got, you know, the gray hair, but <laughs> just kidding. But, uh, but, you know, this fight between the young and the old, 
um, the, the the ones who are trying to to live and, and be vibrant and, and, cult, and create a culture around youth um, and the gray hairs. Um, and, and so but you know, so he talks about where does the, the wisdom come from and where does it go and cultivating a culture of wisdom in the church and how to bring the young and the old together, how to bring both mindsets together to benefit each other. Um, where true wisdom is found, uh, those who have experienced a lot in our in their lives and have grown wise, have grown wisdom in their lives. Now there are older people that are fools. You know, don't don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying that everyone who's old is wise. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm also not saying that everyone who's young is a fool either. Uh, as as oftentimes is perceived me by the older generation, that there is wisdom to be found in the in the younger generation. There's wisdom to be found in the older generation. And, and so uh, we see these two cultures battling it out, almost like this battle royale. Um, but specifically in the church, where where is the culture that we're trying to get to in uh, the church? Um, and the value. And I would say that we in the church have done a bad job um, of following the culture of creating the, this this juvenileization of the church, this juvenile culture within the church that praises relevancy, quote-unquote, uh, looking the part, as he said here, um, uh, people today in the church care less about growing up or gaining wisdom and more about staying young, remaining relevant, uh, re- retaining re- relevancy, and dressing according to the latest youth fad. Uh, we can see this all over. We can see this in, in, in places where they discourage people from having gray hair. That gray hair is 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 not cool. And so you need to, to dye it. You need to cover that up, you know, so you can remain young. Because, oh, you are so beautiful when you dye your hair. Because gray hair is not beautiful. And so we, we've disvalued, devalued the older generation. We've devalued not just them and their appearance and their and their and their personality, but we've we've completely, dis, you know, detached ourselves from them, dismissed them as, as, as valuable at all. Um, oftentimes in the church and, and what, and we've replaced it with young vibrancy and there, there's a con, there's so much to this, you guys there. I mean, I can't cover this in a, in a 20, 25 minute podcast. Uh, but think about the churches that are basically like exploding and going crazy you know, there, but it's interesting, like not all the churches, but there's the ones that you that come to mind that you think about are the ones that are cool. The ones that have the cool music, the cool lights. You know, I worked for these churches. I, I did. I installed the laser, the laser, laser machines. I installed the, the fog machines, the hazers and the moving lights and, and the and had the, the sound system up to 100 dB. You know, I, I've, I've been a part of these cultures and I, I love technology. I love production. I love great music. I love being entertained. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Um, I love being, you know, that production, but I, I had this, this, this wrestling in my spirit because I, w- I felt I was cultivating a culture of entertainment versus wisdom, understanding our identity in Christ, understanding the gospel, the truth of God and growing up in, in wisdom and growing up in knowledge uh, I felt I was just cultivating, I was, I was participating in a culture that was simply entertaining, not growing. 
uh, that was a juvenilization and not a culture of wisdom and being transformed to the image of Christ. And so, um, and so I feel like in the church, um, we need um, to cultivate a wisdom culture in our churches where the older generations are valued more than the young. Um, that the younger, I mean, not that we're devaluing anyone. That's here. I want to make sure though. I, I make, I make, I make sure it's very clear pinpoint that I don't want to devalue anyone. What I'm saying is we need to go back to a biblical culture of growing up, a biblical culture of passing on, um, as it says in Titus, you know, the older, older men teaching the younger men, the older women teaching the younger women, this passing down knowledge, this passing down information, and that being valued. Young people pursue someone that is older. They don't have to be like old, 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 you know, an elderly person necessarily. I mean, do it. I mean, but someone who's just simply older than you, they could be 10 years older than you. They could be 20 years older than you, but they're in a, in a season of life beyond you that can help you to grow. Um, and they also will benefit from your relationship. And the, like I said, at Shift Church, we're shifting everyday relationships into authentic community to live God's adventure together, fully alive. We want to understand and grow. We want to understand God's will for our lives. We want to understand who God is. We want a biblical knowledge so that we can live, what is it? Living in God's world in God's way. And so older, older people, I would, I would encourage you um, to to look to go and pursue someone that's younger. You could be in your 30s, great. Pursue someone in their 20s. You might be in your 20s, great. Pursue someone's in their to pursue someone in their teens. You know, 30 people, you know, the people in their 30s, pursue teenagers. People in your 30s, pursue 50 year olds. Pursue 70 year olds. People, we this is the, the going into our value, our our fourth value, intergenerational. This is specifically why we need to cultivate a wisdom culture because the danger that we run you guys if we if we cultivate our culture in the church around the younger around around the youthification around the uh the juvenilization of the church is this wisdom left the room when adaptation of the gospel to culture entered instead of preserving it focused on innovating the greatest danger that we face when we when we go into this focus on the young instead of the focus on growing up and wisdom and the, on the older generations and valuing wisdom is, is simply that we, tr- we try to to uh, cult- you know, create a taste of the gospel in people's mouths. We try to make the we try to make make Jesus relevant versus showing people who are younger how Jesus is already relevant. Jesus is relevant to everyone, anywhere, you know, everywhere, at any time, at every time. Jesus is relevant already, period. He doesn't need to be made relevant. We need to show people how he's relevant to their lives in every season of life. Um, because Christian theology, Christian tradition has its own wisdom tradition about its very substance. What is believed always, everywhere, by everyone is a conserving or what is deemed wise. Um, <coughs> now, I, now I, I run into to some, some differences in, in this, in that, um, in that oftentimes we're just simply told that which has you know, gone on before us. And so um, how do we get back to a true understanding of Scripture? Because 
not everyone's right, you guys. Um, I, I know we tried to say that everyone has a different perspective of God. Everyone has a different perspective of Jesus. But the, the slippery slope of that way of thinking is that it turns into pluralism. It, that any any perspective of God is right. Any interpretation of Scripture is right. Uh, versus, no, there is truth. There are different different ways of seeing Scripture in a lot of ways, a lot of times. But there is is there is sp- sp- biblical spiritual truth, capital T, truth to know, and to to wrap our minds around, to grow into. Um, the The aim of the Christian wisdom tradition is to pursue wisdom. When the relation, when the relation of father and son, gray hairs and youthful hairs, is sound enough to listen and learn. Now, because the younger generation might have a, a different way of seeing something in their in our culture, and they're led back to the scriptures, they're led back to early church culture, they're led back to the way that the church was in its infancy. Uh, that maybe in a way that, that older generations today don't have, because they were simply just taught away before them, you know, by, by those who've gone before them, they were just simply taught away before them. And throughout the years, there has grown distortion and, and, uh, and falsities in, within even the, the biblical knowledge that we have, even in conservatism. Uh, we're conserving that which we were taught beforehand. But if what we were taught beforehand wasn't true, wasn't right, um, then conservatism in that is not actually conserving the best of what was before, but is actually preserving that which was which is false. And so we, you know, maybe some, some that could be a great um, thing, you know, contribution of the young is ourselves bringing the, the gray hairs and the young hairs together um, to discuss because maybe the younger hairs um, ability to question things is, would be helpful to the older generation, to the gray hairs. Um, because we want to, we want to get back to, we want to go forward into a truth. The, the, the truth, a knowledge of the truth, uh, as, as scripture even says, growing up, this is Ephesians chapter four. Um, uh, what is it here? Um, and he himself gave to be, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to what? Build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son. Here it is growing into maturity, growing up with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. That's our goal. We want to grow in every way into the full maturity of who we are in Christ, of who Christ is, because who we are in Christ is Christ. And so we want to grow up in every way Growing into maturity with the stature, with the, with the focus, the, the measuring rod, the me- measuring stick is Christ and his fullness. Uh, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the, te- in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is Christ, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Now, as I wrap up this time together, um, I want to come back to that proverb. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
but that becomes difficult in our in our to, in our day and age today because where do we get our wisdom from oftentimes the world oftentimes the young because they're the ones that are on social media and influencers there there's so much wisdom that's out there that's worldly wisdom where do we get godly wisdom where do we get holy truth wisdom the wisdom of the truth because it's difficult to to, to glean to, to to discern where to glean and gain wisdom from um there's just a note that i wrote down from because we want you want to be directed and instructed by someone with godly wisdom and not worldly wisdom so where do we get godly wisdom well first and foremost we've been given it scripture scripture is is part and parcel the the quintessential place that we need to go and where whenever we're we're seeking we're we're desiring wisdom go after the word go after the scripture um go after Christ in his word prayer we gain wisdom through prayer through praying to God to gaining wisdom he said if James even James 1 even says if anyone lacks wisdom let him ask God who gives it lavishly he's like I will give you all the wisdom in the world if you want but you got to ask so we go to the Lord in prayer and he will lead us to the Bible but also he will lead us to books like for instance this one books are a great source of godly wisdom that are written that are passed down from generation to generation you know like this you know the feasts i love this book you know the feast of the lord there's a great one especially with you know hanukkah coming up i'm going to be using it um when when we have uh you know passover when understanding different ways this is the the wisdom passed down from generation to generation you know uh, c.s lewis when you're writing you know, reflections to reflections on the psalms um and you know all these different, the, all these different uh, books, and 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 are so such a great uh, source. Now again, remember, there's worldly wisdom out there in a lot of books. There's a lot of junk wisdom out out there in a lot of younger authors, but there is a lot of good wisdom in in the younger authors as well as the older authors. And so you just have to understand that it's you know you can't just open it up in any book and glean wisdom from it because it's a book. You know, it's not it's not the Bible. Oop, hello. It's not the Bible. So we, we have to understand that we have to be discerning on what books we pick up. Um, podcasts. Again, same same issue. There's some great podcasts that are out there and there can be some good, some good, you know, uh, gleaning of wisdom out there in, in podcasts like I, I hope that this one is one of those. That is a good source of wisdom for your lives, for your faith. Um, and and, and I, I, I totally understand. I mean, I'm 38. I'm young. I understand this and I'm still growing and and I, I want to understand more and more about who Christ is and how to lead you who are listening to better understand how to live our lives, how to glorify the Lord, how to rest in and understand God's truth. Um, older pastors, older, um, older people, um, people who have done what you've done for years. So let's say, for instance, you are a uh, you work with kids. You're you're a child child worker. Go to someone who's been doing it for generations, you know, for for decades, not for generations, for decades. You know, uh, go to someone who knows their stuff. Go to someone who's experienced. Don't just go to the young person who's just like, you know, whining and groping and just being all like, I hate my job. Go to the older people who loves what they do, who loves their job, and learn from them how to enjoy it too, and how to do well at it. Um, Ancient, you know, uh, 
What is that? Oh, you know, ancient writers, the ancient uh, pastors, the ancient writers. So like you know, the disciples of the disciples. So go to guys like, you know, Polycarp, you know, the, these what are called the early church fathers, you know, like Polycarp, Irenaeus and, and, and Erasmus and all these guys who were discipled by the disciples themselves, Alexander, Clement, um, uh, all these, there's, there's, there's actually, I can give you great resources. I'll, I'll see if I can I'll try to remember to put a link in, in, in this video. Uh, that is a great resource for all things, early church writings. Um, uh, older and, and spiritually successful men and women. So this is where it, the rubber meets the road in everyday living, uh, when it comes to, um, the church, where do you go in the church? Um, Go to the people who are older than you, not maybe, and maybe not even necessarily older in age, but older in their faith. Like how, you know, if you're older, you just came to faith in Jesus Christ. You may not be the one with the most godly wisdom to tell someone who's younger. So you might actually need to learn from someone that's young, like in their thirties, uh, because they have, you know, I've been, been born and raised in the church. And so there's a lot of, of knowledge and wisdom that I have from my experience being born and raised in the church, um, that I can teach any, you know, teach people. Um, so like with you, like you, you may be, uh, learning in, in early in your faith, but in, in the church culture overall, I think the, the rule of thumb would just simply be to engage with people who are wiser in the faith so that you can grow in wisdom and you, and that relationship benefits both of you. It's mutually beneficial. Um, but understanding that oftentimes, you know, but the older people as well, this is a, ben- a benefit when you're when you go to mentor someone, man, it is powerful for you. God does incredible things in your life when you pour into others. He brings things to, to life and actually makes you wiser. As, as Proverbs even says, you know, instruct someone who's wise and they'll grow. Instruct a, try to instruct a fool in wisdom and they're eh, shut you out. But it's like when you are instructed in wisdom, but also when you get to instruct others, this is where you can also grow in your wisdom as well, in your ability to teach and to understand and live your life, live a wise life yourself. And so this is what it's like. And we're going to be talking about this in the weeks to come in the next you know, couple of weeks, because next week I want to talk about uh, how do we train up the younger generation? How do we train those who are younger in the faith? How do we raise them up to be able to grow in wisdom and not to be afraid to make mistakes? Um, and we'll, and we'll, there's so much more into this as well uh, that we're, I'm really excited to look into looking into um, in the next like week or two. So uh, that's where we're going to be going the next couple of weeks. So I hope that this been, has been helpful. If you have questions, uh, please comment, uh, comment on, on this video or comment on, on this, this podcast. Um, send me an email, uh, Alan at uh, the shift church.com at, you know, Alan, A-L-A-N at the shift church.com. Um, comment there in the comment section or direct message me or, uh, or comment, you know, message us through the, the through the website or itself, wherever you're watching or listening this, uh, to this from, I encourage you to reach out. We'd love to, to know questions. We'd love to know responses. How, how is this podcast, um, influencing you? How is this podcast doing to, to help you in your life and in your faith? Um, and we'd love to know if, if you're listening. So just to see where we can go with it and how it's benefiting. Um, and, and we'd like to, I'd like to grow. And exactly, I want to grow. I want to become wiser in how I can better, better uh, serve you uh, as, as, uh, as we grow in our faith and in our, in our lives. So I uh, hope this has been helpful. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great day, you guys. Bye.